1: Welcome to the Road to Wire Fantasy Football Podcast. Derek Van Riper here with Nick Whalen. Got a great show lined up today. because We're going to talk NFFC ADPs, focusing on the quarterback position, getting a feel for what's uh, maybe priced too high, what's a little too low, and discussing some other key players, maybe some uh, more mysterious types, guys you're just not really sure of based on either the lack of a hold on a starting job or some confusion as to whether or not the weapons around them are actually going to be good enough to make them valuable. Uh, before we even approach that, I, I have to I have to ask you this. How are you doing knowing that Eugene Monroe has decided to call it a career? Because I know as, as a Jags fan, this is probably pretty big news for you.
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean, big news, I think, is, is an understatement. Um, he's calling it quits, like you said, uh, amidst some CTE concerns. Um, I mean, this is a guy who was a fine offensive tackle. I think a little bit of a disappointment based on where he was drafted. Um, You know, ended up being traded to Baltimore after spending some time with America's team. But um, yeah, it's interesting. You know, we've, we've kind of, it's, things have kind of cooled down, I guess, since, you know, the, the Chris Borland announcement, you know, over a year ago. Now, I think that that kind of sparked all that conversation. Um, And yeah, now, now, now here it comes again. So, you know, interesting to, to see players you know openly citing cte concerns um and i don't think that's anything that's going to stop but you know as a former jag uh, from monroe you know it's especially hits home like you said
1: yeah definitely big news in your world uh <laughs> nothing else really going on yet a week from now we're going to have so much news we're going to have to pick and choose right. what we actually talk about so that's the, why we're going to focus on the nffc adp here for it is
3: interesting how it how it switches right like we're we're literally scrambling for topics which is so rare in the NFL I mean there's a there's 2 weeks basically out of the year and we're in the midst of them right now where you have to you know, comb every site possible to find some things to talk about. But like you said, in a couple of weeks here, we're going to be sifting through what's wor- what's newsworthy and what isn't.
1: So yeah, that that's where that's where we're at. That's that's why we're going this route. But I think this will be <laughs> a useful, we're starting
3: the show with Eugene Monroe.
1: Yes, it's, it's, hopefully this is a useful conversation beyond the Eugene Monroe nonsense. uh The NFFC ADP report, freely available, you can just Google it and check it out. Uh, the quarterback rankings. I think are interesting because this year the top-end quarterbacks do not cost as much as Aaron Rodgers and Andrew Luck did a year ago. The price tag on those guys was considerably higher. Only two QBs right now have an ADP in the top 50 overall. Cam Newton at 38, Rodgers at 44, Luck is at 52 for what it's worth. And, And from there, they're kind of clustered close together. I mean, like the tiers aren't as broken up as they have been in previous years. Like the first tier is not as far away from the second tier. And within the second tier, you can make a case for pretty much any quarterback between breeze at five and Jameis Winston at 15 to all be within the top eight when it's all said and done this year. Like that's the way this can unfold. I mean, it gets a pass happy league as we've talked about time and time again, rule changes are a big part of that. Defenders can't clutch and grab um, it's it's all it's all pretty easy to understand why it's like this, but navigating this larger sort of second tier, if you want to call it that, I think is kind of challenging. And, and one of the players who kind of stands out to me as someone who doesn't necessarily belong where he's at is Blake Bortles. I think there's a couple of reasons for it. I think the biggest thing is the Jags are actually going to be a better team this year. Better teams often don't air it out as much as bad teams. Now, sometimes they do just based on the way they're structured, but... I look at Jacksonville as a team that might be more balanced with Chris Ivory at running back. Ivory joining Yeldon in that backfield changes the dynamic there. They're going to be a little more effective in close with the running game, which I think is the biggest thing, because it's the TDs for Bortles in particular that I think you have a really hard time seeing as a, as a repeat in 2016.
3: Right, right. The yardage, I think, you know, it was certainly you know by far a career high and only a second season. Um, but I think that's a little more easily replicable. Um, but like you said, the TDs are going to be tough. Uh, just the amount of times that Jacksonville found itself down big in the second half, the amount of just kind of aired out situations that Blake Bortles found himself in, you know, ideally you know, from a fantasy perspective that was great ideally from a real football perspective if you're the Jags you hope you don't find yourself in those situations quite as often this year and like you said the addition of ivory I think kind of gives them that other back that can that can kind of pound things home inside the red zone they didn't really have that much last year uh, if we want to flash back to the Toby Gerhardt uh, days of being stuffed on the one yard line play after play after play um, so, yeah, I mean, I think Bortles at six here it seems a little high to me. Um, and I think he could certainly, you know, he could certainly perform at this rate. This is a guy who was tied for second in the NFL in touchdowns last season. But when you look at the names around him, you know, Russell Wilson at four, Breeze five, Brady at seven, you know, he's kind of an outlier because of the suspension situation. Big Ben, Palmer, these are all guys that have done this for years. We've seen them do it for years. It's hard to imagine any of them, barring an injury, really dropping off. Bortles is the one guy to me in this group that, again, could be a top five top six quarterback but could also fall out of the top 15 and it wouldn't be super surprising
1: right it doesn't have the floor that the rest of the group seems to have I mean I I would take Roethlisberger straight up over Bortles I would take Eli Manning and Rivers over him too and that's not a knock on Bortles as much as it's looking at those other teams and saying these situations are so favorable they're so so pass happy in those three offenses I, I trust that production more than I trust Blake Bortles' production for the reasons that we outlined. Tom Brady's price, it is a little high right now because at the time when these drafts started a few weeks ago, it wasn't clear that he was going to back off the appeals process. Now that's the case, so where should he go? How far should he fall with that four-game suspension? Because you don't take a zero. You just have to deal with having one fewer roster spot. Maybe you look at the upcoming schedules to begin the year and you decide that over the first four weeks, you really like Tony Romo's schedule or Jameis Winston's schedule or whatever it is. You just have to find that cheaper quarterback that you think can be good early on until Brady comes back and just stay afloat at quarterback as opposed to Over investing at the quarterback position, and then being in a spot later where you don't have enough talent at wide receiver or at tight end.
3: Right, right. It's not. It's not exactly that Brady's value itself week to week is diminished at all. You know, you're just kind of carving out those first four games. So obviously, the bigger impact and what you alluded to basically is what are you giving up to take him? You know, if you're reaching for Brady, are you missing out on a receiver who's going to end up being your number two for the rest of the year? I don't know, and it's going to be kind of a dance, you know. I think it's going to depend league to league um, quite a bit. I think you're going to see a ton of variance, and these NFFC numbers are great, but and this is such a unique situation that it's really tough to get a gauge, um, you know, on where Brady's going. I think if you're going to use that NFFC day, you probably want to wait maybe you know a couple of weeks. Um, you know, if you can, obviously, if your draft is later to see where Brady ends up, because I think he's going to end up falling probably below seven uh, as the data continues to come in on these drafts.
1: So the latest he's gone is 86 overall, and his ADP is 66 overall. So you knock him down almost two rounds. That's probably about right. That's probably where he'll end up somewhere close to that. And that drops him into that Eli Manning Rivers tier, which is is great. Like if you can get him at that price, I think it makes a lot of sense to make that investment. I don't really see him slowing down weapons are kind of the same as they've always been as long as Gronk's healthy especially that New England offense through the air is going to get its share of of big production and I, I don't like what they have in the backfield they're still kind of one of those teams you look at and they'll find a way to be effective on the ground but they're not going to have a workhorse running back taking snaps away from Brady once he comes off that suspension the other thing that I'm wondering
3: too is at some point do we have to compensate for what should be a performance drop off you know, as Brady gets older, I mean, I, I think it's kind of the, you know, the the Tim Duncan effect, I guess, if we want to pull out another NBA cross-sport analogy of, you know, every year it's, you know, if you're looking at fantasy basketball, it's Tim Duncan's like, all right, this is the year he's finally going to fall off, or even the Spurs as a whole, you know, this is the year they're finally going to fall off, and they never do. I mean, at what point do we kind of have to look at Brady and say, all right, he's finally getting up there maybe it's worth discounting him a little bit or is this new england machine just so fine-tuned and is he so fine-tuned as a passer that that's not something that you're concerned about
1: he's just so fine-tuned as a human That right yeah i shouldn't just, even you, i shouldn't ex- limit it to passer yeah you father husband across son, the board checks bottle. all checks all the boxes right <laughs> so you you just don't i i don't really worry about him breaking down even at age 39 this year i, I think he's still going to be crazy yeah pretty normal Brady this year so I think it
3: would be surprising if he wasn't right
1: yeah like I, I, that right that the regression in his case is more of like the outlier sort of outcome for me yeah. which is very weird but it is kind of like that Duncan he's always going to be good and then when he decides not to play that'll be it and right. that'll be the end it's
3: like he, he's gonna diminish on his own terms not on his body's terms
1: that's what it seems like uh but yeah, you look at Brady, overpriced slightly right now, but I'm not afraid to get him if he's going round or two later than that current ADP price tag. The other player who I think we agree is going too high right now is Kirk Cousins. Now, part of the appeal is that the NFC East is a weak division overall. Uh, two teams in particular, Giants and Eagles, they're going to match up with twice, are, are very shootout prone teams. You can see some high scoring games there. So it, it's it's a nice spot in that regard. But when you start looking at Kirk Cousins in comparison to other quarterbacks in that group, I mean, Matthew Stafford's volume seems very safe. Yeah, he's going to maybe struggle with the efficiency without Megatron. But I trust Stafford week to week more than I trust Cousins, believe it or not. Jameis Winston should be significantly better from a fantasy standpoint than Cousins. The, The weapons are there. The offensive system is there. I just feel like last year is going to go down as the best season we ever saw from Kirk Cousins.
3: Right. I agree. And I think that's how you have to treat it when you're evaluating him as a fantasy quarterback, right? You know, you can't expect, I I don't think a whole lot more from him. You can't expect him to make, you know, to add seven touchdowns onto that total or to add a couple more hundred yards. I think you have to look at that as the peak and say, you know, if he can give me that again, here's where I value him. But I, I think it's foolish to kind of expect anything more than that. I don't know to me that he's a whole lot worse than Matthew Stafford. I think those two are pretty comparable to me. I think Stafford in a vacuum is the better quarterback, but I think we're to the point now where Washington has the better supporting cast. You know, adding adding Josh Doxon, having a healthy Deshaun Jackson who missed a ton of time last year, Pierre Garcon, um, decent running backs and then of course Jordan Reed who's emerged as one of the better tight ends. So I, I think I like the weapons around Kirk Cousins quite a bit more. I think like I said, Stafford's a slightly better player, but I think I'd still lean toward Cousins there. That said, I agree with you on Winston. I, I think I think Jameis Winston is is poised to kind of make a leap from a talent perspective. He's just so much better of an individual prospect, uh, even though he is younger than Kirk Cousins. I think I think he you know can maybe leapfrog both of those guys when all's said and done.
1: I think you could see a scenario where if we're trying to predict what the ADP report looks like a year from now, where Blake Bortles' spot is occupied by Winston, like he's a borderline top five type quarterback going into next season and that makes him really nicely priced right now Uh, if you're looking for that guy that can just carve up a defense and also contribute on the ground he's going to get his share of rushing TDs uh, as well I think he'll get a handful of those good yardage totals just a little bit better overall in terms of the upside that he brings to the table compared to the likes of Cousins, Stafford, uh, and even Tony Romo, I worry so much about the collarbone again. If Romo breaks his collarbone again, is he is he actually gonna die? Like I, I'm legitimately. What
3: is, the, what is the limit on collarbone breaks that that you just die at one point,
1: right? At some point it's it's just really, really bad. like i I think that's a lingering problem for him. but I, I look at Romo as a guy that per game could be pretty good. Maybe you pair Romo with Brady if you end up taking Brady a little earlier and you're just set because you're mm-hmm. you're worried about Romo breaking down anyway. Maybe that's reaching a little too much for two. He usually waits a few
3: weeks into the year to break his collarbone, which is nice. You know, you're know, you going to get a few weeks of production out of him.
1: Right. He has the, he has the courtesy of, of right. waiting courtesy a few break. weeks before, before getting hurt. Uh, Andy Dalton, probably priced pretty fairly. Matt Ryan, kind of in the same tier as those guys, too. So uh, that's part of it. As you look at Kirk Cousins compared to the quarterbacks just ahead of him and just behind him, and you feel better pretty much about everybody in both mm-hmm. directions, which is why Cousins is on our too high list. Looking at some guys that are too low, in addition to, to James Winston, there's a couple others. Big Ben as the eighth quarterback. I mean, at the very least, flip Roethlisberger with Bortles. I think that's... They're within like a couple picks of each other, so it's it's not... It's not like that they're in different tiers. It's still
3: got to be Roethlisberger, though. But right? it's so, seems...
1: Yeah, it's so strange to me. I know Roethlisberger gets dinged up and misses his share of time, but sure. the Todd Haley offense with Antonio Brown, he's got Le'Veon Bell and D'Angelo Williams in the backfield. Ladarius Green, if he's healthy, is a nice boost at tight end. I think they'll figure out the second receiver spot, whether it's Marcus Wheaton or somebody else. I mean, there's a lot of continuity in that Pittsburgh offense, and there's a discount on Ben Roethlisberger yet again.
3: Yeah, I, I think you know you can make a case certainly for Newton Rogers, You know, depending on how much you like Andrew Luck, I'm fine with him going ahead. Russell Wilson, Breeze, but Bortles to me, and then you know I say this with a with a heavy heart. You know, being a Jag fan and you know everything that's gone on with Eugene Monroe today, um, that's that's just ridiculous. I think I think we have so much larger of a sample of, of Big Ben doing this for what ten plus years now. And and you mentioned you know the durability issues are a concern, but. You know he's not missing games unless he absolutely has to miss games. I mean, these the injuries that he's been sitting out with are legitimate injuries. So it's certainly I don't I don't know if that's the reason for the discount. But if you look at the average ADP, I mean, he's only going basically one one and a fraction picks later than Blake Bortles. So maybe that's a little bit misleading. I think they're kind of going probably about equal in a lot of drafts. But still, I think I think Roethlisberger to me, if it's a tie and you're trying to trying to decide between one of those two, it's got to be Big Ben. Yeah,
1: I'm I'm completely on board with that. Uh, we talked about Jameis before, but Marcus Mariota in year two should be better. Uh, with health, Hit he the knee injury last year. I think he'll run more. I like the running game behind him now with Murray and Derrick Henry, both in that backfield. Should be a pretty balanced offense. They added Rashard Matthews from Miami to their receiving core. Maybe they get a little more out of Doriel Green Beckham as well. So the, the talent around him has improved. The offensive line will likely be better. I could see Mariota also taking a step forward. Maybe not as much of a step forward as Jameis Winston takes, but if you compare Mariota to uh, Ryan Tannehill and Tyrod Taylor and even Andy Dalton, who's a couple spots ahead of him, I feel a lot more comfortable relying on Mariota week in and week out than I do relying on those other options.
3: Yeah, I, I agree with that, too. I wanted to ask, well, how big is the gap to you between Winston and Mariota? I think, to me, Winston is is slightly ahead. Um, I think the weapons are, are better in Tampa Bay than they are in Tennessee. But as you alluded to, I think Mariota is going to take a step forward. I think that team is better still not probably a playoff team or anything close to that but it's a better overall team than it was last year. You know, if you're if you're ranking these quarterbacks as we kind of are by this NFFC data, you know, where do you have Winston generally and maybe how many how many spots behind him would you have Mariota?
1: I'd have Winston probably just inside the top 10 and I think Mariota would be like 14 or 15 because I look I look at Winston with that upside of being top 5, top 6, the position if everything clicks this year. Mariota to me the best case scenario is probably like 11th or 12th which is very good I mean like for what you're paying right now and if you're yeah. in a two quarterback league I like the idea of getting one of these guys with one of the more established options so that way you're getting that elite production week in and week out from Cam Rogers or possibly Andrew Luck and you're getting someone who's trying to make that push up a tier maybe going several dollars or a couple rounds later than they should in one of those second year quarterbacks but then you look at a guy like Matt Ryan who's kind of sandwiched in between Winston and Mariota on the ADP report right now just outside the top 100 overall 18th among quarterbacks nothing is really that different about the Falcons offense I was surprised to see the TD rate drop for him last year I don't think that's going to hold up going forward I think they do have some questions to answer as far as what else they can do in the red zone behind Julio Jones Tony Gonzalez's retirement a couple years ago I think really left him in a difficult spot but to me, Matt Ryan gets those extra TDs back. The attempts are going to be there. The yardage is going to be there. They the plays half his games indoors, bodes well. I love that division from an offensive standpoint. It's favorable yet again. Carolina's defense might not be as good without Josh Norman. Uh, Carolina's offense, Tampa's offense, New Orleans' offense, those are all built to be really high-octane teams that can put a lot of points on the board. And I think Atlanta can keep pace. So with that, I think Matt Ryan does bounce back a little bit from a disappointing 2015.
3: Matt Ryan is is maybe the most confusing player, and certainly I think the most confusing quarterback when it comes to fantasy, and he kind of has been these last few years. And this this Atlanta team you know, went from looking like, you know, a possible perennial, you know, NFC contender around, what, 2010, 2011. I mean, they were right there with Green Bay in their Super Bowl year. A lot of young players. Julio Jones starts emerging. Um, you know, the, the Michael Turner days, and, and now even into Devontae Freeman. But the, the way that that season went down last year, I think, did they finish 8-8 eight and eight after starting? I want to say 6-1.
1: 6-1, yeah. 6-1 and
3: one and then lost 6 in a row. They, they
1: unraveled at home, too, which yeah, is really odd.
3: just bizarre, bizarre stuff. And, and, I, and I mean, this team isn't, as good as Carolina and they, they did give Carolina a loss toward the end of the year but I thought they were you know a, a significant step ahead at least from where Tampa Bay was last year and where New Orleans was last year and, and it, it seemed like there was really no distinction between those bottom three when when everything was settled in the NFC South
1: the, the one thing I, I wish the Falcons would have done is spend a little more on the receiver position in the offseason if in the first round they had been the team that took Corey Coleman yes. or Josh Doxson you know Laquan Treadwell it doesn't even matter which one right. necessarily any, and literally any of those any guys. of those guys any of those first round receivers maybe not Will Fuller yeah know, uh, a know, little, even that I think would have been that good
3: belief that when you have a guy like Julio Jones and we've kind of seen the same thing with you know Des Bryant and Dallas and you know AJ Green's never really had a great number two behind him a few a few decent options but is there a tendency that when you have a guy that's that good to just say you know what? He's he alone is so good, you know, we don't really need to worry about who's behind him quite as much cuz I, I don't know if I love that strategy.
1: I don't like it because as we've seen with like Megatron prior to Golden Tate getting there especially when a receiver like that breaks down, the entire offense is just wrecked. You know, if you had right. a viable number 2 who maybe doesn't get as many targets as he would on other teams, that can be fine. Like that can be a scenario where, you know, you have a guy that underperforms based on talent but is right there ready to step up and take on the extra targets. If that top receiver goes down, and Julio Jones has had some some injuries over the years too. So you, yeah. I, I just think they made a mistake in not fortifying that position right. a bit more.
3: I, I don't think this roster offensively is really much better than it was at all last year.
1: No, but I, it, with that being said, Matt Ryan has gone over 4,500 yards. I think it's four consecutive seasons. Three, uh, three yeah, uh, four and four, four, yep. four in a row. Yeah, 4,700 back in 2012. He's gone over 4,500. Right. He, I mean, his production four.
3: has quietly been there. He's been a decent fantasy quarterback. I mean, the, the floor is fairly high. The touchdown floor last year, you know, I, th- I think killed a lot of people. I mean, that was his lowest total since his rookie year. But the yardage
1: is still there. For me, what's the difference between Matthew Stafford and Matt Ryan? Like, why is there an 8-10 to 10 pick question. gap in ADP? Like, they're both volume guys. They're both good players not as good as maybe their their draft pedigree would lead you to believe yeah. but they can they can get if it anything, done with the I volume. those guys
3: yeah with megatron out of the picture i think i think you almost give ryan the edge just because he has you know far and away the best weapon out of either team
1: yeah i'm, I'm surprised matt ryan is falling that far so definitely someone who i think is too low Uh, At this point, what do you think about Sam Bradford? I mean, we've seen Doug Peterson run the offense with Andy Reid in Kansas City, made Alex Smith at least formidable, not a guy you want to build your fantasy teams around. But Sam Bradford brings a slightly different skill set to the table. He was coming off, I believe, his second ACL tear. Going into last season, learning a new offense, too, of course, with Chip Kelly at the time. So he has to go through that process again. But is Sam Bradford actually too cheap right now? If you're thinking like a two-quarterback league, should he be going ahead of Ryan Fitzpatrick and Brock Osweiler, Alex Smith, and, and Teddy Bridgewater?
3: Uh, yes to all three of that. I mean, Ryan Fitzpatrick isn't currently an NFL player at this point. Then we'll get to that situation in a little bit. Um, but no, I mean, I wouldn't say I'm high on Sam Bradford by any means, but he kind of fits into my... Can he do any worse than last year? Can that situation be any more volatile than it was? I don't think so. Um, you know, the Eagles team, I don't think it's going to be very good. But if, you, if you're asking if he can get, he almost got to 4,000 yards last season in what was a disastrous year. Um, he threw 14 picks. I don't think he, I don't think that number is probably going to get too much higher, only 19 touchdowns. Um, you know, I think if, even if some of the talent has kind of left this team and the previous regime, you know, the, the whole process of switching over certainly gets to guys. Um, I just think the fact that this isn't going to be just a huge kind of drama show week to week uh, should help Sam Bradford. I don't know. Do people think that maybe Carson Wentz, you know, creeping up on him and maybe taking over sometime throughout the season is is going to impact his value? I mean, that would maybe help explain why he's so low.
1: I don't think it's that. I think I, think, so I think it's it's looking at how Nick Foles was good in that offense. Sam Bradford was just kind of more of the same, and I think that's part of the reason why people just don't. Really trust him. But if you believe in Andy Reid as a guy who's developed quarterbacks and been good at building his system in a way that makes his quarterback successful, which I think he has been, I think you should give Doug Peterson the benefit of the doubt because they've been working together long enough where I have to think things are going to be run very similarly to an Andy Reid type offense in Philadelphia. Uh, Some other interesting names on the list RG3 down at 29 among quarterbacks. If you were named the starter, a week or two into camp, I think he would jump ahead of again the names we mentioned, Bradford, Bridgewater, Smith, Osweiler, and if Fitzpatrick's still a free agent, he'd pass him too. But he'd still be twenty-fourth, maybe, on this list. I I like Hugh Jackson, if they had if they had Josh Gordon back, which seems more more and more like a long shot, I think, the more you, you look at it. If they had him to go with Corey Coleman and Gary Barnett Things
3: get very interesting if Josh Gordon comes back sometime.
1: It, 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 it opens up a lot for this offense. I mean, Griffin, to me... Maybe he'll never even come close to living up to the expectations. That's fine, but he could still be a good player even if he falls short of those expectations. How good is the Cleveland defense? I, I don't. I don't think I it's going to no be idea. great. <laughs> like, Does
3: anybody know? I don't think so. Uh,
1: it's it's a great it's a great unknown at this point. <laughs> can they come out and, and actually shut people down? Probably not. Like, I, I think they could be a team the that falls into some shootouts not, too. No. Well, and the, and the Bengals. I mean, they can move the ball. Pittsburgh obviously can move the ball and score points, so maybe the browns find themselves in a few spots where they're playing catch up and and the volume is there for this passing mm. game but Josh McCollen could end up being the starter right i mean like that's yeah. that's a possibility
3: yeah i I find myself rooting for r g three i I liked him a lot coming out of college, and obviously he's you know kind of he hasn 't exactly helped himself a ton throughout this whole you know what 's turned into a pretty ridiculous process uh honestly over these last three years. Um, but I hope it works out. I mean, I think it would be kind of fun for the league. I mean, Cleveland's not gonna be a good team, but it would be a nice story if RG three doesn't immediately crash and burn, you know, like every other quarterback that's come through Cleveland. So, you know, for the sake of Corey Coleman and Corey Coleman owners, um, I hope things work out. But looking at him at twenty-nine right now, you know, like the the RG three Baylor fan in me wants to say, you know, maybe take a chance on him a little early, but I just don't see how you can really rationalize it right now, other than just kind of a hail mary. You know, if you if you grab a one of the top five six guys and he gets hurt and you have to go to RG three for a couple of weeks, I think that's kind of where he's at for me right now.
1: So he's your your I drafted a quarterback early, but I want a guy that has some upside in case my quarterback goes down sort of back up.
3: Yeah, let's say for example, you know, Blake Bortles is there at number one and I take him. Um, let's say he's there at one. Let's say he's available, which you know he might not be at number one and you're choosing between all right, well do I want to go sam bradford or do i want rg3 like in that case it's going to be rg3 just just for the kind of the fun aspect i guess of it you know i think he's the he's the more fun player if he's on your fantasy team the guy that i would i think i would personally enjoy rooting for um the other thing with him though is how much is he going to run you know that was so much of his not even necessarily his fantasy value but just his effectiveness as a quarterback whether he was running or not that threat to take off and not be a cam newton type of runner but be I guess a little bit closer to Michael Vick for lack of a a better comparison, a guy who can rip off chunks of yardage and get downfield quickly rather than running guys over. I don't know how much, you know, they tried to eliminate that part of his game. He seemed to kind of want to eliminate that part of his game in Washington. If that becomes an option, you know, and, and he's, and he's running the ball six or seven times, I think that that certainly maybe moves him ahead of some of these other kind of just uninspiring options in the, the 20 to 30 range.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I I think the ceiling is what makes him appealing compared to the other quarterbacks right. in that spot it's griffin and, and colin kaepernick's like that too where yes exactly even if you ever thought chip kelly could build a quality offense in the nfl and he's shown he could do it i mean prior to last year i think people still like chip kelly and his offenses quite a bit colin kaepernick has a strong arm and he's mobile like if he's healthy he could be kind of interesting in a chip kelly offense like that's not that re- no. like ridiculous. You're not. To you're see.
3: not. You're not. You know, just grasping at straws with that. I mean, that he literally seems it, like a guy who's thriving that off.
1: like a perfect fit. Like right. theoretically, in terms of it, right. it, no, health, could be a factor for him. His arm might not be right, and if that's the case, then okay, then all bets are off. But compared to Bradford, Bridgewater, Alex Smith, Brock Osweiler, that that lump of players that are all on teams that are very balanced teams with pretty good, with great running games, in pretty much all those cases. Uh, A couple of those teams, several of those teams have good defenses. I mean, the Texans, the Chiefs, and the Vikings are all very solid defenses. Those teams are going to be prone to playing lower scoring games. They're going to have more ball control type offenses. Kaepernick and Griffin are still a lot more interesting because their teams could be bad. Their offenses could take a step forward, and as a result, they could reap the benefits. So if you're taking quarterbacks that late... You might as well go after the upside, and if it doesn't work after a couple of weeks, you cut them loose because the guys I keep mentioning—the Osweilers, the Smiths, the Bridgewaters, they are always available in right. season in a twelve-team league. Exactly, always.
3: Yeah. None of these guys were preaching as potential week-to-week starters. You know, when you get beyond, you know, your Matt Ryan's, your Tannehills, your Tyrod Taylor's, these are all basically just just dart type of picks. And if if you're going to look, if you're going to go by that strategy, I don't see how you can't take the upside. You know what you're getting in Teddy Bridgewater. But you know he's not he's not a guy that you can plug into your lineup and and hope he goes off for you know however many touchdowns. you can you can't really necessarily put that cap on a guy like Kaepernick
1: or rg three. So the other question pertaining to quarterback, if you're starting to speculate in deeper leagues again, two quarterback formats is probably where this applies the most. Are there any backups that you're looking at right now that you're thinking about taking? Cause if you're in a two quarterback league, you probably draft three. If you're in a 12-team league with two quarterbacks, there's a handful of teams that are taking backups. Which guys are the most interesting to you in case they take over the job?
3: I think to me it's the, it's the Denver guys, and I don't even know who that is at this point. The Denver um, guys. Yeah, I, I mean I think you you look at this ADP data, you have Mark Sanchez at thirty two, you have Paxton Lynch at thirty four, you have Trevor Simeon at thirty seven. So three quarterbacks from the same team all within six picks. To me that shows that no one really knows how this is gonna shake out. Um I you know, it, I think it's gonna be Sanchez's job to open. Um I, I think I think he can play well enough to hold on to it. I mean, this is this Denver team, you know, if this defense comes back, and I know they lost some key pieces, but if they come back at even, you know, eighty five percent of what they were Last season, this is a potential playoff team, you know, even with mediocre quarterback play. So we'll see how that shakes out. But to me, I think the weapons on the outside with Sanders and Demarius Thomas are intriguing enough. There'll be a decent enough team where, you know, if Mark Sanchez gets the boot after four weeks, I think there might be some value in Paxton Lynch.
1: Yeah, I could see something like that. I mean, we saw it with Osweiler. Because of the weapons and because of the balance, they can run the ball pretty well. You're not talking about someone who's necessarily going to win your league for you, but in those deeper formats, someone that could be surprisingly competent given the the options around him. Uh, we got one big report that came out. It was either end of the week or beginning of this week. Uh, top-selling NFL jerseys. Did you get your Zeke Elliott yet?
3: <laughs> I did not. I think I'm apparently the only person uh, in the United States that didn't get my Zeke Elliott jersey yet.
1: Yeah, so he's number one right now in sales. Is this in order? Beyond Elliott, is Brady yes, actually number two? This is in
3: order. As I typed this kind of messily, I didn't want to. Basically, I didn't want to take up two whole pages typing one through twenty five. Right. So I put them all in like paragraph form. But yeah, this is in order.
1: This is a stupid list. It, it, Elliott one, Tom Brady two. Like if you're a Patriots fan, you don't have a Brady jersey already. Like what? That, yeah, that's what are you been waiting and like, for? And like
3: Denver jerseys or Peyton Manning jerseys spiked after the Super Bowl. Like why are you buying? A Peyton Manning Denver jersey right after the Super Bowl
1: you're commemorating your Super Bowl season by buying the jersey of arguably the worst player who has impacted your team all season you know
3: I'm a jersey connoisseur and I I judge harshly when it comes to these things like you don't buy a Carl Malone Lakers jersey
1: no if you're gonna get a Carl Malone jersey you
3: get a Carl Malone Jazz jersey you don't buy you wouldn't buy a Kevin Garnett like new type new style Timberwolves jersey if you're gonna get a Kevin Garnett jersey it's got to be the jersey of the player when he was in his prime there are some exceptions, you know. If you want to get a Rashid Wallace Hawks jersey, you know, I'm fine with that. Things, things, things of that nature. But you don't buy a great player's jersey when he's moonlighting with another team, like you, a Brett Favre Vikings
1: jersey. What you wouldn't get that? Vikings fans, though, they're they're they all did. about that. Bizarre. What about uh, Keenan McCardle Bucks jersey? Is that, is that going too far, or is that still part that one, of the productive peak?
3: That's an exception. Uh, obviously, he's a former Jag. Uh, I think that's probably why you're asking me, which seems like a little bit of a leading question. But yes, those, jerseys, yes it
1: is. those jerseys
3: are just so hard to find that if you can get your hands on any kind of Keenan McCardell jersey, you have to do it. Doesn't matter what team.
1: Didn't you have the feelers out for one that was local? I did. Or was it Jimmy Smith?
3: No, it was. It was McCardell, I think. And I, I went back and forth with the seller on eBay and, and they were it was like $20 shipping, but it was actually just outside of Madison.
1: Yeah, you could have, you could have actually driven from yeah. the office to pick it up, and it would have been about a 15-minute right. car ride. Yeah,
3: and I messaged them and asked, like, can I do that? I don't want to pay $20 for you to ship it across town. And by the time uh, my message was answered, it had already been sold. So understandable. I mean, it's <laughs> was a hot it, item.
1: Wasn't meant to be. No. Uh, Carson Wentz at six. Okay, so here's the top five. I kind of cut it off at Brady because that was ridiculous. Elliot Brady, Odell Beckham, Cam Newton, Gronk other than Brady that all kind of makes sense sure Carson Wentz at six like th- there's there's a hundred dollars just yes. burned and these are these are all NFL shop jerseys people are paying big bucks for these these
3: aren't China jerseys
1: <laughs> these, these are not the AliExpress top sales list. I'd love to see that Ooh. by the way I hope we can get <laughs> our hands on that at some point there'd be some oh, embarrassing man. jerseys on there
3: I think the Will Smith Bel Air jersey is probably number one selling on that site
1: a lot of Will Smith over there von miller at least makes sense as, as a buy right like you're excited broncos mm-hmm. fans he just gets extended he's on your super bowl team he's a big part of the reason why they won the super bowl that's a solid buy jared goff rams jerseys what are you doing people of la like you have so many other things you like to waste your money on mm-hmm. that's a terrible choice
3: yeah and well the other cool thing about this list and we'll return to it you know for some other highlights if, if there is such a thing there's no jags on the list uh you know, interestingly is that enough, a typo I mean, what? yeah i don't know i jason witten like really i don't it doesn't seem like a wise investment at this point um but it also nflshop.com shows you by map where the the best <laughs> the best selling jerseys are in each state so right now in the state of maryland Kirk cousins is leading that uh ravens fans i don't know what, what's going on there um yeah ravens fans are slacking carson wentz has minnesota north dakota and south
1: dakota right now oh he's got he's running the dakotas and minnesota yep.
3: Yep. Russell Wilson basically has the entire Northwest, but Zeke Elliott's got Idaho. Good for him. Um, Marcus Mariota has Hawaii, obviously. Earlier in the day when I checked, Joe Montana was holding down Alaska, but now it says Russell Wilson. So late charge. A lot of Alaskans uh, getting money in on Russell Wilson jerseys this afternoon. Um, State of Oklahoma, Drew Brees.
1: Yeah, I, sure. I I suppose if you're if you if you grew up in Oklahoma, you could claim any one of like five I different Oklahoma teams. Oklahoma was like very pro Cowboys. I think it's probably mostly Cowboys, but they probably don't want to
3: buy Zeke Elliott jerseys though.
1: No. Ohio no.
3: state Oklahoma. I mean, that's not necessarily a rivalry, but you know, you know yeah. those are teams that support each other.
1: Yeah, they I I think most parts of the country mm-hmm. you don't want to buy Big 10 player jerseys yeah. even once they're in the NFL. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's frowned upon. Yeah,
3: there's really no other, no other major surprises. Cam Newton's got Alabama. That's not shocking. Uh, Rodgers obviously has Wisconsin. Uh, Peyton Manning has Vermont. Oh, controlling Vermont. Is that right. Ken Kreitz buying Peyton Manning jerseys <laughs> wires, for, for no Price. reason? Yeah, well, Brady has the rest of the Northeast. Gronk has, uh, has Maine. Brady has all Rhode, I- or,
1: um, yeah, Rhode Island, Connecticut, New Hampshire, Massachusetts, and then Beckham's got New York. Peyton Manning owning Vermont jersey sales makes no sense. There's nothing about that that makes sense to me.
3: I don't know what to tell you. I, yeah, there really isn't at all. Isn't Vermont like firmly Brady territory?
1: Yeah, I, I thought it was. Brady's yeah. going to be ticked.
3: Yeah, I mean. and Someone's got to tell Brady. Y- you would think. Could be heartbroken. Also, Peyton also has Illinois, Indiana, Kentucky.
1: Why does anyone like Peyton Manning <laughs> like, anywhere, Illinois? ever? Like,
3: well, I don't know, man.
1: What, what, what Bears fans don't want to buy anything right now. That's true. Yeah, I don't know what. If you're a Bears
3: fan, what jersey would you buy right now?
1: <sighs> Peanut Tillman.
3: Yeah, I guess. I mean, I would say Jeffrey, but he's franchise. He's going to be gone. They're
1: going to screw that up. Yeah,
3: not a great time to be a bear.
1: No, really, really is not. Well, if you've got anything you'd like to pass along regarding top selling jerseys, perhaps you have the AliExpress list that we were referring to. Let us know on Twitter. He's at WhaleN or Whalen. Uh, The L is number one. I'm at Derek Van Riper. Just let us know. We'd love to see the AliExpress list in particular.
3: do have one final question for you as we close this out pertaining to jerseys i know you're a packers guy i know you're an ex-lions guy if you could own one non-packers jersey of any current nfl player who would it be it's got to
1: be a current player it's gotta be current it's got to be a non-packer right wow um it's tough oh, yeah it's really tough you know what it's a Reuben Randall Giants jersey. Reuben Randall. It's Reuben Randall because he's the reason why I beat Liss to win the Stake <laughs> League. Like that long TD on Sunday Night Football. I, I decided to go hot tub, and I pulled a U. I was, I was watching the game, and all I needed was like seven more points from Randall. It's like early third quarter. I thought, it's just not going to happen. And I even tweeted about it. I'm like, I'm waiting on this. It's just not going to come. Threw on the trunks, went in the hot tub, came back in, looked at my mentions, had been blown up. I had like four tweets telling me what happened in the game. Randall had a long like sixty yard TD or something that put me over the top. So I think it's a Ruben Randall jersey just okay. based on what happened last year. Hmm. I mean, what about you? What, what would you do? I don't know. I you non non Jags division, right?
3: Non Jags division. I don't have any you know huge fantasy moments like that that I can look on. Is Pat White still active?
1: No. Uh, I, don't, I mean, maybe it would have to be something like so. that
3: where like all time favorite college player you know type of jersey like. Like a Crabtree jersey. I think I, I could live with that. Okay. Um, maybe like a Richie Incognito jersey. I think that would be a good conversation starter type of jersey.
1: Yeah. When you're waiting in line to get into a bar, yeah. you probably get a lot of great questions about yeah. a Richie Incognito jersey. Yeah, we'll go with that. Well, if you have one and you want to get rid of it, let him know on Twitter. He's at Mailing Wayland.
3: address is on the website.
1: Yeah. Just look on the website. You can ship us the jersey. We'd greatly appreciate that. Thank you for listening to the RotoWire Fantasy Football Podcast. Mario and I are back with you tomorrow.